Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank you for this uh, faithfulness of your servant, for Tom and for Carolyn, his wife, to come here and to join uh, in with us in serving your kingdom. I pray that you would fill him with a sense of courage and conviction and confidence as he brings the word throughout the summer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mike, and uh, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. And Mike, if you've been a Detroit Lion fan your whole life, you'll root for any team that wins football games. <laughs> and so I just, I'll sign up for the Seahawks any day. Uh, that would, uh, that'd be great. Uh, no, it, it really, this is a, this feels good this morning. And uh, I like this place. It is a beautiful city and a beautiful state that you guys live in. And uh, we're going to enjoy being with you for a few months. Uh, just really, really am impressed with the people we've met and uh, what we've seen so far, I want to uh, particularly uh, thank Troy Moyat for uh, facilitating uh, our time. I've had many phone conversations with Troy before we arrived here. <clears throat> In fact, I've become so impressed with uh, Troy that I had a dream about him the other night. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, um, I dreamt that I had died and I, was, uh, I had to go to heaven and Peter met me at the gates. And he had a big ladder there. And he said, Tom, before you can come in, he said, uh, I have a big ball of chalk here. And he said, for every rung on this ladder, or, or for the, all the rungs, he said, every sin that you've ever committed, you need to put a mark by each rung of the ladder as you climb up. So I had a lot of marking to do. <clears throat> and so I was climbing and marking and climbing and marking and climbing and marking. And I reached up and somebody stepped on my hand. And I looked up, and it was Troy. I said, Troy, what are you doing? He said, I'm coming down for more chalk. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you, Troy, for being a good sport. Um, you know, it's, uh, this has been a hard time for the church all over the United States, not just for you guys, but for the country. We've um, really... Uh, been through a hard time with COVID and uh, with all of the uh, stuff we've been experiencing with COVID. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And uh, it's a time, I think, in which we can demonstrate character uh, in the body of Christ. And I think uh, it's a time in which we can seek to grow spiritually. We, we get frustrated. We don't think that we're maybe accomplishing very much. Yet, if we'll just uh, pause for a minute and take a deep breath, uh, we really could make some significant headway spiritually if we give God a chance to move in our hearts and in our lives. I'm a basketball official. I've been officiating high school basketball for 40 years, 40 years of abuse. <laughs> I hear a lot of things uh, officiating basketball. I didn't know people knew so much about my mother and uh, other members of my family and uh, uh, different things I hear out there are quite amazing. But one of the privileges you have as a basketball official is you get to hear the teammates talk to each other. And uh, one of the things you get to see in a team is how much character they have. And everybody has character, good character, when they're winning. But the true, t the true test of character is when a team, things get difficult for a team. Um, how do they talk to each other then? Do they stick together? Do they criticize each other? 
Do players get selfish? Do players start blaming each other for how things are going? Or do they pull together? Do they uh, have encouragement? Do players take responsibility for their own stuff instead of blaming others? You know, Gonzaga proved that they were a great basketball team this year. With all the wins that they had, they proved that they were a great team of character by the way they lost in the national championship game. And so many of us were disappointed by that loss, but they did demonstrate that they were a team of great character uh, on that evening, uh, on that Monday, that Monday evening. And character is what really, really counts. You see, teams that have character dig deeper, try harder, cover each other's back, sacrifice themselves, give others credit, encourage each other. They don't criticize, and they show incredible loyalty. Now, some of the things that COVID has done is it's challenged our character as God's people. Uh, First of all, the thing to note about COVID is that it's made all of us about 20% more grumpy. Hasn't it? Come on now. Really? Tell me you're running around in happy land because of COVID, right? Uh, We've known individual suffering from time to time. Some of us have had enormous loss. Maybe we've lost loved ones, lost employment, or other things. But COVID has made it very difficult to be a joyful, happy person just because of everything that's going on. Everybody here collectively, and it hasn't just been one or two people affected by it, everybody, everybody everywhere from Michigan to Washington has been affected by by COVID. Everybody has taken their turn. The second thing about this past year in terms of our faith community, is it's been really hard to sense a feeling of connectedness. It just feels weird. You know, we've counted so much on our faith experience together, haven't we, as a people of God, uh, that when life is hard, we're going to have this community that we can rally together with, and we'll see each other, and we'll hug each other, and we'll lock arms and hands, and we'll pray together. And we'll, we'll just, we'll be the people of God. We know how that's supposed to be and feel. And yet even that's been interrupted, hasn't it? It's just felt different. It's been, it's been, it's been weird. And then the third thing is, and this is true for pastors. I mean, pastors are leaving ministry in droves right now. It's been so difficult to navigate leadership. Church leadership have no guidebook on how to navigate this thing. So you need to pray for your church leaders. Okay, because there's, there's, no, there's no textbook on how you're, there's no guidance in the Bible. How do you navigate a COVID crisis in a, in a faith community? And, and so it's difficult. You add all of this up for every church in the country, as I said, from state to state. And uh, we have this uh, toxic stew of, of yuck. Every, every church everywhere, attendance is down, giving is down. Now you have your exceptions, of course, but it seems... It seems that way, like the spiritual power we've been blessed with has somehow been drained from the room. It's a very, very unusual time for the church in our culture. No time, I've never experienced anything like this. I'm 64, uh, anything like this in my own lifetime. So I think today's, the text I want to share with you is from 1 Peter 5. has a good word for us, and uh, I think we have an opportunity for each of us to grow in character in a way in our walk with Jesus and as a community like we haven't before. 
Because it's when God puts us in the waiting room that we don't get instant gratification, that we have a chance to work on some graces and some muscles that we just haven't developed in any other experience in any other way, okay? In the year uh, 2000, or late 1999, I had to go into treatment for addiction to alcohol and prescription medication. That was not a fun experience. It was a long journey. And I remember the treatment center that I was in, there was a sign on the wall that I just detested. It said this, the only way out is through. The only way out is through. In other words, there's no place to run, there's no place to hide. There's no miraculous prayer that's gonna change this situation and change you in five seconds. But there's a lot of hard work to do that needs to be done on your character and on your person. Uh, and and uh, you realize you're in a situation right there that this isn't going to go away quickly in terms of uh, the stuff I've got to work on and the changes I've got to make. This is something that's going to be, be here. And that's the kind of moment we find ourselves in, friends. Right? The only way out is through. The only way out is through. And so we need some wisdom. And I think Peter is writing to a people that are experiencing some persecution and, and difficulties, and it's not going to go away quickly. And just a couple of thoughts I want to share with you quickly this morning about that. It's from 1 Peter 5, verse 11, that I think is instructive for us today. Just some, very simply, he says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, for he, for he, cares, he cares for you. Peter describes here the Christians that he's writing to as aliens living in a strange land because persecution's coming upon them and the world they live in doesn't really appreciate Christianity and what they're experiencing and some of them are going to die for their faith. It's very, very difficult. And so he has this great pastoral instruction to help them move forward as a church. You know, you'd think he'd say something like, have a pep rally and muscle up and be strong and lift weights or do whatever you got to do to get through this hard time. But the first admonition he has here is be humble. He says, clothe yourselves in humility, all of you to get through this time. Now, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourselves, it really is a word here that means to take your clothing and to tie it in a knot, to make it so firm. It's as if you were down in a well and you had to be pulled out. You'd tie that rope pretty tight, wouldn't you? Because you'd want that rope to pull you out. So he says, clothe yourselves in humility, tied in a knot. Tied in a knot, clothe yourselves. And so the call here is to let your inner life regulate, be regulated by a perspective and a spirituality that keeps my human pride in check. For me, it means keep my big mouth shut most of the time. It calls the people who follow Jesus to live in complete dependence upon God's mercy. 
It has a deep sense of one's moral and righteous deficiencies as one stands in God's sights and before the community. It calls us in our community to put selfish ambition aside. It is the hardest task that we have to grow as a people of God. And so in the face of a common enemy, in the face of suffering that is impacting every one of us today, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility and to, and to serve one another. Now surely, as Peter is writing, he must have this vivid memory. He's probably got a lot of vivid memories from hanging around with Jesus. But in John 13, when Jesus girded himself with a towel, right? And he washed the disciples' feet. You know, all the disciples were sitting around kind of squirming because the lowest person on the totem pole was the one that was supposed to do the foot washing. And they're all saying, well, I'm not that guy. I mean, James and John had just had their mother ask Jesus if they could assume the right hand, right? Jesus' right hand in his kingdom when it came in. And so you know what those guys thought about themselves. They weren't surely going to do that. Nobody did that. It's kind of funny. You can laugh if you'd like. Okay. But here's Jesus. He gets up, man, and he, right? Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he takes a towel and some water, and he, he washes their feet. And so Peter is saying, man, when times are difficult for all of us, this virtue of humility needs to have a visual manifestation in the body of Christ. Boy, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to shoot my mouth off and be critical and, and to not like stuff and to, to, to just grump my way around. And man, it's not the spirit of Jesus. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. In fact, the scriptures tell us God has this eternal, powerful, and overwhelming opposition to human pride. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Now also notice here, Peter speaks of a nuance, an important nuance here that's included in this grace of humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that at the proper time he may exalt you. I don't think that means give you pride, but I, I think your spirit, your life, the graces that you may know will be come to fruition. One more, this word about humility, Peter tells us there's this incredible thing called, called patience. Folks, the only way out is through. Peter says, in due time. In due time, he, he, he will exalt you. Is there anybody here that has a problem with patience besides me? Okay. God, you've got to fix it. You've got to fix it right now. What a, an opportunity this is for us to surrender to Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, man, I've got a lot of growing to do. I've got a lot of changes to do because I've been an idiot during this time. I need to uplift and encourage and give hope to. And I'm not preaching the sermon. My wife said I need to be careful today because the people in Linden are going to think you think bad things about them. I don't think bad things about you at all. I, I, this is everybody. 
This is, this is needed in the whole church because everybody's in this place, I think, in our culture right now, in, in, God's, in, in God's church. At the proper time, he will exalt you. What Peter is saying to them, Peter is saying, I have no idea how long this season of suffering will last, but friends, uh, this more than likely, there will not be any kind of quick fix to the season that you're in. But to be the victorious people of God, the, the aspect of humility and patience, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. You see, pride, on the other hand, is the great irritant of the soul. Pride demands its own way. Pride demands its own timetable. Pride demands immediate answers. There had better be answers, and they better be the answers that I want to hear. Everything has been turned upside down now, Peter says. And aren't we tired of people telling us what to do? Peter says easy does it. At the proper time, God will take care of everything. You see, it was also Paul that said, we rejoice in our hope of the glory of God because we know that suffering, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So God is doing a work right now. God is doing something right now that he can't do it any other time in any other way in your heart. You can't feel it, you can't see it, but it's happening. When I was a, a young kid, well, I guess I was 13 or 14, uh, we had a sort of a new maple tree in our front yard. And uh, my grandfather was a farmer by uh, his uh, vocation, but he did a lot of things, and he fancied himself an expert tree trimmer. So the tree had grown some, and I, uh, my uh, dad wanted the tree trimmed, and so he said, Grandpa's going to come over, and they can't climb the ladder anymore, and so I want you to help him. So he came over, Gramps came over, and is my grandpa crocked, by the way. <laughs> so, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so he fired up the chainsaw, and he said, now just start cutting. So I, this, he started cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. I said, can we stop now, grandpa? He said, no. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, just be quiet. Keep cutting. So I kept cutting, I kept cutting. I said, Grandpa, this is not looking good. He said, just keep your mouth shut and keep cutting. So I kept cutting and kept cutting, and I, I mean, the tree looked like a joke. I mean, it was, oh my gosh. My mother came outside. She wouldn't talk to my grandfather for six months. She was so mad. Okay. My dad came home from work. He said, Dad, what did you do? My best friend came over and he got out of his car and he, he just started laughing. The neighbors were laughing. You ought to see that tree today. You should. It's the magnificent tree. It's a beautiful tree. Just blossomed in beauty. I think God is doing stuff like that right now. Jesus said that Trees that bear fruit, he pruned, that they might bear more fruit. 
And so, friends, I would like us to, to take heart today. I'd like us to have hope today. I'd like us to believe today that a great future is coming. We don't know what God's time is, when it's going to happen, but God hasn't given up. God is not done working. And so I believe. I believe you want to believe and be encouraged. Let's pray together. God, thanks for this word today. Your word has power, and we're grateful for it. Thank you for the gift of your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you give us encouragement as we go day to day through this time of uh, struggle with COVID. We pray that you'll fill this church with your spirit. Touch our hearts. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.